Hey there. Thanks for joining us at Risen King Church for our weekly podcast. We hope you experience God today. Make sure you visit us at risenking.life to take all your next steps and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Enjoy the message. As we enter into the fall, uh, Lisa and I have spent this summer really listening to the Lord for our church. And the Lord has asked us to go after His Holy Spirit in a fresh way to activate a deeper move of His Spirit here at Risen King, but not just for us, but for Rockland County. And so these three weeks that we are looking at things together before our fall series starts is all about having a conversational relationship with God, practicing hearing the voice of God. Now, here's the thing. If you just come to Sunday mornings, you will never have a place to incubate what the Spirit is doing in your life. You need a small group. You need a place where you can develop. No one ever is just fully formed as they begin in the Spirit. They have to develop. You have to have places where you can be encouraged. You have to have places where you can be corrected. Now, I believe, you know, we're taking a big risk in talking about hearing from God. I think we're taking a risk because today I'm going to talk about the prophetic voice of God because it attracts all kind of flakes, all kind of weirdos in Jesus, and all kinds of stuff, and there have to be people who have discernment, and there have to be people who are developing those as they begin to get this, this excitement about hearing from God. We do not want, it will not be good to have people going around, I have a word from God for you so they can get a date with you. <laughs> or I have a word from God so they can be important to you. Because that's all about them. That's a, that's a rhema word from their own soul, not a rhema word from God. And so we love having these small groups. We love having these, we call them growth groups because they are incubators of the Spirit. And they're places where you can grow. Please think about joining that, being a part of that, because as these gifts are released and as he is activated in our midst, you're going to need to have people you can, you can interact with to help you get completely on the road that you have. Now, what we're looking at today is we're going to look at what is the purpose of hearing from God, and we're going to just kind of go over a little bit again. The fact that you, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if you are born of the Spirit of God, then Jesus is your shepherd, you are his sheep, and he said, my sheep hear my voice. They didn't say, my sheep study the Bible and get good principles. This is far more relational than it is academic. It is learning to hear the voice of your shepherd, knowing his voice. And in order to know his voice, you have to still your own heart. You have to be able to discern what you're hearing is really the voice of the shepherd and not just your anxiety. Because stillness leads to being able to hear from God. He said, be still and know that I am God. But it also is important that once you're still, that you're fixing your eyes on Jesus. The focus on Jesus will allow Jesus to speak to your problems instead of your problems speaking about Jesus. 
Many of us look at our circumstances and we, and we say, God, speak through our circumstances instead of saying, I'm going to look at my circumstances through what God is saying about my circumstances. See, things in your life will speak to you, but the one who can really speak and transform and give you breakthrough and victory is only Jesus. So the Bible says, fix your eyes on Jesus. And when that happens, that you're focused on him, he will give you spontaneous thoughts. Hearing from God can be defined this way. God's voice sounds like spontaneous thoughts that come to your mind as you fix your eyes on Jesus. Read that with me. Will you do that? God's voice sounds like spontaneous thoughts that come to your mind as you fix your eyes on Jesus. Now, why, why do I need to hear these spontaneous thoughts? Well, because God needs to clean up, probably first and foremost, He needs to clean up your own mind pictures of yourself. You, you may not realize this, but you are an addict. You're an addict to the flesh. You've been an addict to your flesh your whole life. You're not just an addict to sex or drugs or alcohol or Ben and Jerry's. You are addicted to what can only stimulate but never satisfy. Not only are we ourselves addicts of the flesh, we come from people who are addicts of the flesh. You not only have your own memories, you have the memories of your family as addicts. In other words, the, the pictures that you have in your own mind about yourself are the pictures that addicts have. They're deceptions, they're lies, they're things that, that tell you things about yourself that are not true whatsoever. And so every one of us need a cleansing picture. A cleansing word. We need a, a cleansing way of even viewing ourselves. Because once you see, once you see he cleanses the addictive pictures of yourself, then you can really hear him. But as long as you keep saying, I'm just going to see myself as I see myself, then even his words have to go through the grid of your flesh, which then will distort and twist even what God is saying. He wants you to understand some really clear things happen when you come to Christ. When you come to Christ, you now belong to the Holy Spirit. You don't, you're not just in a relationship with the Holy Spirit. You're in a, I belong to Him, and who He is now belongs to me. This is what Paul is talking about in Romans 8, about how you begin to live in the Holy Spirit, in the life of the Holy Spirit. In other words, not only do you belong to the Holy Spirit, you belong to the world of the Holy Spirit. You are no longer simply a mere man or a mere woman. You now belong to the same spiritual realm that the Holy Spirit belongs to. So what happens is if you're going to survive in this new realm, you're going to have to understand spirit level communication. You're going to have to learn that what's going on in your life is a whole lot bigger than just your education or your hard work or your philosophies or any of these things. You are now targeted in a spiritual realm. And in order for you to move effectively and to actually have a life that is well lived, you're going to have to understand spirit level communication. Now, in the Old Testament, that spirit level communication was called intercession. The word used is the word paga. 
And it's an interesting word because it means that, that something seems like chance or something seems random or something seems like it's accidental, but suddenly it intersects with your mind, with your thoughts, with your pictures and these different things. And this is what was called intercession. So what's happening to the believer is that the Holy Spirit, because you belong to Him, is now intersecting His thoughts, His pictures, His world with your world. It may seem random or accidental, but no, it's not. It is God's thoughts intersecting with your thoughts. You see, most of what people call prayer is not prayer. Because there's no intersection. Real prayer will always be an intersection. It'll seem random at times, or it'll seem accidental, and yet it will be exactly the Spirit saying, this is my realm, and I'm letting you intersect with it. I can't tell you the number of times I've been praying, and suddenly somebody's, mo- somebody's face, kind of their, their thought, a thought of them comes immediately. Instead of saying, oh, is this you, Lord? I go, this is certainly the Lord. And so immediately I'll text them, I'll email them, I'll call them, I'll do whatever. And you will not believe how many times people have said, I can't believe you're calling me right now. This is what I'm going through. You understand? He wants you to live in His realm. But He won't let you live in His realm without His communication. He wants you to know the thoughts of God. Do you understand? Your thoughts are not enough for the realm which you now live in. Well, let me take this a step further. From the very start of a life in Christ, it starts with communication. In Galatians 4, it says it this way. The Holy Spirit in us cries, Abba, Father. But in Romans 8, it says, we cry, Abba, Father. Guess what that's saying? It's saying, you don't cry it unless He cries it with you. You are now so united to the Holy Spirit, who you really are. Your true identity is so united to the Holy Spirit that when He cries, Abba, you cry, Abba. When you cry, Abba, He cries, Abba. (laughs) Now some people will say, "Well, well, yeah, of course, those moments of spiritual bliss, Are those moments of spiritual high? Of course I cry, and the Holy Spirit cries in me. But the word cry doesn't mean spiritual bliss, friends. I mean, if you get a picture, what's the first breath when you know the baby's okay? When they busted them on the butt and they start crying. And you know that you're like, they can breathe. they They can speak. In a sense, that cry, that word cry is not for the spiritual elite, it's for the spiritually born. It's for those who begin a life in Christ. As a matter of fact, the word in Greek, when it says cry, isn't even a baby's cry. It's the cry of someone who is desperate. It's the cry of someone who has no other means. See, only a child of God can cry like that. Because when unbelievers cry, they don't go, Father, they go, God, why'd you let this happen to me? Only a believer, when they're down and they're desperate, can say, Father. And the only reason they can say, Father, is because they now belong to the Holy Spirit. And because the Spirit is teaching them how to cry when they need it the most. Will you hear me on this? 
You might be the meanest person in here. I'm looking around to see who that is. <laughs> you might be the lowest or the, the most vile person in here. You may think of yourself as the chief of sinners like Paul did. But have you ever thought about this? The same spirit that anointed Jesus for his ministry, the same spirit that dwelled in Jesus now dwells in the vilest of us, in the weakest of us, in the meanest of us. That same, not a lesser spirit, not less of the spirit, the exact same spirit that indwelt Jesus is now indwelling you. You have no excuse. You can deny it. You can distract yourself from it. You can resist Him. But you were born in the Spirit, into the Spirit world, and you will only have victory in this world if you are now communicating, listening, and responding to that same Spirit that birthed you. You belong to Him. You are now in His realm. You will not survive without His cry being your cry. So what am I saying this? I'm saying that the purpose of you hearing from God is not just so you feel better or so that you know you're a Christian. I'm saying that the purpose of you hearing from God is so that you become a prophetic person. Listen to me on this. Jesus is and always will be the prophet of God, but when he was here on earth, he was very much a drawing force by his charisma. And charisma there, I'm saying his anointing of the Holy Spirit. His charisma drew so much so that the religious people said he's a friend of sinners. Jesus said to his disciples, what I am, you will be. And even greater than I am. It's better for you that I'm not here because the one I'm going to send you will make you more like me than I could ever make you like me. He didn't say, I'm going to send another different. He said, I'm going to send another who's exactly the same as me. And so the community that Jesus left was a prophetic community. They were just like Jesus. And they drew by charisma. They drew by spirit the same. And they did the same things. They healed the sick. They cast out demons. The lame walked. The blind saw. People came into that prophetic community every day. He didn't just say, let's have a prophetic community that you can read about in the book of Acts. That same spirit has been given to our community. We are to be a prophetic community, which means that we have to be a community of prophets. And not just some of us. Every one of us. Do you not know that what the Spirit wants to do in Rockland County will not be produced by program. What the Spirit wants to do in our lifetime to reach your family and your friends and your co-workers will not be done by debate. It will only be done by power. And that power will not just be in deeds, but also in words. So that when you speak, it is not simply you speaking, it is God making His appeal through you. This is what we're called to be, but it takes a group of people who say, well, it's not, I'm going to wait and see if Mike does this. No, it has to be you. It has to be you. This is who we are called to be. And do you know how beautiful it is that God is inviting you to intersect with his thoughts that he has right now for this community, for your family, for your friends. That's what he wants. 
And he doesn't want it to be accidental. He wants you to know it's a divine appointment. Some of you are here, I look out, and some of you are here because you have to be. I'm sorry about that. (laughs) But do you not understand, even though it's accidental that you're here, it's an intersection with the thoughts of God. Let that come in. He's calling you into more. He's brought you to intersect, and it's no accident. So I want you to read with me from Revelation 19. I want to unpack this passage for you because I believe it speaks to what God wants to do in your life and in the life of every church. Would you read it out loud? I like when we read scripture out loud together. Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give Him the glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and His bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. Then I fell down at my feet to worship him. But he said to me, you must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So let's think through this. I want to give you three purposes for hearing prophetically. I'm asking two things of you. I'm asking that you have a conversational relationship with God. But I'm asking also that you begin to realize that He has a purpose for speaking to you, and the purpose is always about His mission. Okay? So just to get a bunch of spiritual highs is not the purpose. The purpose is to complete the mission of Jesus. Now here's what I love about this passage. is This passage says that you already have a destiny. That that destiny is secure. Do you understand? John is seeing the future as if it were the present. See, the future to God is a present reality. It is already the truth of God that you and I who are in Christ, we're at the wedding banquet of the Lamb of God. We're at the wedding supper of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We're His invitees because we're the bride. That's who we are. You may be going through terrible things right now. You may be asked to suffer. You may be uncomfortable. You may be asked to do things you don't necessarily want to do. But you see, your destiny is secure. You are at the wedding banquet. You're the bride. That's your destiny. (laughs) It's already a reality. John's already seen it. It's already true for God. These are the true words of God, he says. This is already the truth. You're there. You don't have to worry about this life because you are going to the banquet of all banquets. This world began in a wedding. God gave Adam to Eve and Eve to Adam. And it ends in a wedding. God gives to his son his bride. And we're it. We're it. But he also says that everything you do in this life is how you sew your dress. 
And I don't know about you, but my wife makes me watch say yes to the dress. <laughs> what a train wreck of a show. I can't turn away. I mean, I'm telling you, watching these people buy these uh, crazy dresses that have to be perfect and have to have, I mean, I know what a sweetheart neckline is now. I, I wish I could purge that. You know, what tool is, oh my gosh. I thought those were things that you, wrenches and stuff. You know? I mean, it's, it, it's so amazing to watch because you, you go, man, these people are so shallow. I don't think their marriage is gonna last longer than their show. And yet, this idea that I have to have the perfect dress, I have, to have the, I have to have this unique look for my wedding day. And here the, here the scripture says, how you live your life is how you sew your dress. And guess what he says makes the dress fine? Is when you who are the invited becomes the inviter. Listen to what the angel says. Blessed is everyone who is invited. Blessed. You understand? You're not invited that it be exclusive. You are invited that you include everybody that God intersects in your life. Your family, your friends, even strangers that you meet. But, but think about this. We're not asking them to join our religion or to become part of our morality because what we're asking them is to marry Jesus. We're asking them to the banquet. We're asking them to the wedding. We're not just asking, oh, hey, come and adopt my theology. We're saying, no, come into a marriage relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. John saw it. It is a reality. This is the destiny and either you, you're the invitee or you're not. You either accept or you don't. But those that are invited, those that accept, it says, this is what you've been living for your whole life. This is what you've been look, looking for. I'm pretty certain, friends, that when you see the face of the bridegroom, you're not going to go, why did I have to go through this? Why did I lose that? When you see the face of the bridegroom and you see his delight and his love for you, you're going to say... It was all worth it. Whatever I lost is gain. Whatever I suffered has made my dress more beautiful. The linen richer, the silk purer, the embroidery so much more refined. And it won't be because you think you're beautiful, you'll think he was worth it. Are you hearing me? So what, me, what I'm saying by this and why we want to go this way is an evangelistic program is never enough to bring people to the banquet. It has to be something more. It has to be a community that begins to say, we want to be what Jesus was. We want the prophetic Christ to be in the midst of our prophetic community. And what happens when this takes place is you begin to see a move of His Spirit in such a way because all of us are welcoming Him and we're listening to Him and we're responding to Him and the whole atmosphere starts changing. You see, when the Spirit's not moving, it doesn't matter how good your evangelistic program is, it won't work. You're just trying to argue them from one fleshly view to another fleshly view. But when the Spirit's moving, Every evangelistic program works. 
I mean, I know Roman Road, I know the bridge, I know four spiritual laws, I know EE, XEE, and whatever else comes next. But I can't bring someone into relationship with Jesus through a program. There has to be something more that's going on that opens up the heart so one says, I will give everything to be married to that bridegroom. And here's what, I, here's what I've seen. When the Spirit is moving, every evangelistic program works. <laughs> I was in Cali, Colombia back in 1997. I did not want to go to Colombia. Colombia was the scariest place on earth for me at that point because the cartel, the drug cartel, was coming down. While I was there, the pastor I was staying with buried four people who were assassinated in his church that week by the, the drug cartel. I, I will tell you this, before I went, I got really, really right with God. <laughs> I had some demonic strongholds in my life that I had just never, never dealt with, and I knew it was keeping me from hearing the Lord. So I went to a trusted older man and said, I, I want to be able to hear because I don't want to go down there and not hear really clearly from the Lord. And he delivered, I, I saw some deliverance, even from things that I had picked up at seminary. And, and as, I, as I was delivered, it was as if the mechanism of my, my knower or my hearer was completely reset. And I could just hear the Lord so clearly. And so every time I got in a cab, I, I rode with taxi drivers seven times that week. Every time I got in a cab, the Lord said, share the gospel. And so this was in Spanish. I had not spoken in Spanish in about 10 years and I was to share the gospel with a taxi driver, every single one of them gave their lives to Christ. And everywhere I was going, I took them to a, was going to a church, so I connected them with the pastor, and they got discipled. But the cool thing about it is they brought their families to our events. I led their wives to Christ, their children to Christ, all this stuff with really bad Spanish. You see, when the Spirit is moving, when the community says we'll be a prophetic community, we'll not just hear for ourselves and our own comfort, but we'll hear for the mission, then the Holy Spirit frees up people who can now hear from Him and invite to the wedding banquet. That's the purpose. Are you tracking with me on this? So the second thing then it follows on that, and that is that this passage says that the work of the Spirit and the work of evangelism or the work of changing and transforming the atmosphere spiritually is always a supernatural activity. But there is this guarantee in this picture that you never do it alone. It's always in supernatural partnership. Look at, look at, this, look at this picture here. There's an angel... So glorious. I mean, John knows what the glorified Jesus looks like. He's already fallen down dead in front of Jesus. But here he is, and an angel comes, and this angel is so glorious, John wants to fall down and worship the angel. But the angel says, wait a minute, John. Worship God, not me. But think about it. This guy is so glorious that the apostle wants to worship him. So we're talking about a mighty angel. And what does the angel say? I'm your co-worker. I'm in partnership with you. 
You understand? Now, sometimes people say, well, look, he was an apostle. He gets this. But it doesn't say just the apostles. He says you and your brothers. Now, look, the other apostles were all dead. John's the only one left. So the other brothers are just slubs like the rest of us. I mean, they're just ordinary people like the rest of us. And yet here he's saying, if your life is in alignment with the mission of Jesus, then these angels that an apostle would have worshipped are your partners. Are you, are you hearing me in this? You see, this is spiritual. It's supernatural. I'll tell you, my own experience in coming to Rockland County. I came and I went to a pastor's meeting when I was candidating for being pastor, and I went to this meeting. Every pastor told me not to come. And they said, do you know why they call it? I mean, you know it's called Rockland because it's only rocks. I mean, it's a hard place. Nobody wants to be here. Nothing ever happens here. That's what they said to me. When I was closing up my house, you know, we'd sold our house, we'd put all our stuff in a, a moving van, and I'd lock the door for the last time. I know I'm a weird guy, but I heard a demon speak out loud. And the demon said this, we're letting you go because you will never have any influence or effect in New York. That was the words I heard. Okay, so the pastors all told me nothing will ever happen. The demon told me nothing's going to happen. My first Sunday here, I came off the platform, this lady came running up to me and goes, goes uh, I really like your accent. <laughs> but she said, you won't last a year here because you're too nice. I was like, lady, you don't know me at all. <laughs> I just want you to hear what I'm saying. There are other voices that will try to define what you, can, what you can affect. There are other voices that will try to tell you that there won't be results from what Jesus has assigned to you. That is why your voice and the voice of the Savior must be the only voice you listen to. Because if you're listening, you'll hear his words. You know, he, I remember what he told me when I came here. He said, pray. He didn't say a whole lot of other things. He just said, pray and teach the people to pray. Minister to my presence, he said, and I'll do the rest. Because see, if you yield to him, if you yield to what you hear, then what the Bible says is then you are maintaining the witness of Jesus. Now, the witness of Jesus is not your testimony of what Jesus has done for you. That's a wonderful thing. And, and, and it is an overcoming thing in your own life. But that's not what he's saying here. The testimony of Jesus is Jesus himself making his appeal through you. So in a way, while he doesn't push you aside or not use your gifts or your abilities or your, your background or anything else, but what he's saying here is they will hear me when they hear you. I've I, I got to tell you, that's going to be a whole lot more powerful and a whole lot more effective than even your testimonies of what Jesus has done for you. We need the people in New York, New Jersey, and all around, we need them to hear the prophet, not us. We need them to hear Jesus' words, not our words. 
And that's the promise in this. You see, when, when the witness of Jesus, when Jesus is allowed to witness to himself through you, that's the spirit of prophecy. That's what the angel is saying needs to happen. And that's what the first century church did. They weren't a different community than Jesus. They were the same as Jesus. They were doing what Jesus did and even greater than Jesus had done. Rick Joyner says it this way. All true prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. It comes from him and it draws us to him. It is what he is saying to his church. I hear people a lot of times, they'll say, well, I don't know enough Bible. No, you just need to know enough Jesus. And I, oh, I don't have enough theology. I can't debate with, don't debate with them. Let Jesus testify of himself through you. And here's the thing. Once you start hearing from him, you'll go search your Bible. Because you're like, oh, oh i got to know if this is true, you know. And, and, and you'll, be a, you'll be a hungry learner of God. And you'll search out people who know his word. See, the problem with people who start with trying to know before they listen is that the knowing they get will now distort their listening. It'll make them think they know something. We're all idiots. I mean, we, we can pervert and, and distort anything. We can take good things and twist them into bad things. We have to start with listening, and then that listening will move us towards His Word in a powerful, powerful way. I know I'm running out of time, but i, I got to tell you one illustration of this. One of the greatest, most used men of God of all time was a man by the name of John Bunyan. And for years, Bunyan was a tinkerer. He, he fixed pots, and he moved from town to town. He came to Christ, and he was struggling in his Christianity. And then he's walking from village to village to do his pots, and he hears the voice of God from the sky. Nobody had taught him that would ever happen, and he was so amazed by it. And the words just rumbled into his soul. And this tinkerer went, found his Bible, and started reading and studying his Bible. And he studied it so deeply. And it was all because he had been so inspired by the voice of the Spirit to go and learn the Word of God. And then Bunyan wrote this book called The Pilgrim's Progress, which is one of the, you know, one of the most you know, highest-selling books of all time. And it's helped many of us in our Christian life. But it started from listening even before he started studying. Are you tracking with me in this? Are you quiet because you're taking it in? All right. All right, good. So purpose number three, and this I think is in so many ways, it's such a simple but profound thing. It really is about obedience. You're not doing this because you're initiating it. You're doing it because you're responding. You see, obedience isn't finding out the rules and keeping the rules. Obedience is finding the heart of God and tuning your heart to his heart. You know, and so what, what 1 Corinthians 14.1 says, pursue love and earnestly desire the gifts. And then what does it say? Especially that you may prophesy. So why is it that so many of us are afraid of the supernatural? Why are we so afraid of hearing from God? I think it's because you don't know how God feels about you. Look at Psalm 139. You see, once you hear the true voice of God, it will always be according to his word. And Psalm 139 tells us how he thinks about you. Listen to this. How precious are your thoughts about me. Wow. 
You understand? If you're hearing other kinds of thoughts, they're not God's. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God? They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. Now, even if I were to try to think of all the good things I think about myself, they would not outnumber the grains of sand. I can't think of anything close to that many about you. Right? I mean, come on. But yet, it says here, the thoughts he has towards you are more than can be numbered, and they're all precious towards you. It's not just his thoughts, it's his thoughts about you. That's what's coming after you. And even when you wake up, the Lord is still with you. So his thoughts are precious. They're not angry. They're not hurtful. They're not condemning, but they're loving thoughts about us. And here's what this psalm says. Those thoughts are always in motion towards you. But do you, are you tuned in to hear them? Do you have the antenna? Do you have the receiver? Well, when you receive his thoughts, when you receive his words, when you receive his pictures, then this is to receive the spirit of prophecy. I, here's one of the troubles I have. There are people who seem like they think they hear from God for other people. I do not trust someone who hears for other people that does not hear for themselves. See, if your life is fraudulent, then your words are hollow. There has to be a harmony that you're actually listening to God in private before you start portraying like you've listened to God in, or hear from God in public. You see, his thoughts towards you are always these precious, loving thoughts. They're always moving towards you. And if you can't hear for yourself, something's wrong. Something's blocked. But then, you see, once you clear that mechanism and you can hear for yourself, and you're, you yourself are following what you're hearing. None of us ever like it when you say, do as I say, not as I do. Or the if I were you counseling method doesn't quite work. It has to be you living it out. I, I really believe the deepest things in the spirit that you'll ever see publicly are always products of private victories. But once that starts to happen, then the prophetic can flow. Here's how I want you to, I want you to understand. There are many ways to define prophetic, but I like this. It's a verbalized expression of God's thoughts. They're, they're through a spirit-inspired person but it's for a particular person or group at a particular moment for a particular purpose. So here's what, here's what God wants us to become as a prophetic community. He wants us to become so spirit-filled ourselves, so in tune with what he's saying to us, that then he can release his messages for others through us. So that the appeal or the witness of Jesus is being made prophetically. We get no credit for it. We get no glory for it. Jesus gets all the glory for it. Because we're sitting there going, hey, this actually works. You know, he's actually using me. And I'm the lowest, I'm the meanest, I'm the nastiest one of the group. And yet I have that same spirit that anointed and indwelled Jesus. And I'm seeing how it works in my life. Are you tracking with me on this? So what I'm really talking about is I believe there's a beauty many of us have yet to experience. 
And it's when you know God's thoughts about you, his heart for you, and his will for your life. And if it's anything less than precious thoughts, then it's probably the condemning voice of either your flesh or the enemy. And many of us need to have our mechanism cleared. We need deliverance so that we can hear what we need to hear. Your mind should be the safest place on earth and it should be the frequent place where you are intersecting with the thoughts of God. See, every day God is sending his thoughts toward you. That, he, has, he has more thoughts for you than the sand there is in the whole earth. But he also wants to send thoughts for the church, for the world. So here's what I'm asking. That today, wherever your faith is at, that you'll extend it further. That you'll say... Lord, I'm reaching out far. I want to get as far out here for where I can receive all that the Spirit has for me. You may not want to say this, think about it, but here's what I'm asking. I'm asking you to become a prophetic person. The, the holy word of God, the will of God, he said, desire the gifts, but especially prophecy. In other words, to hear from God, to witness, to be the testimony of Jesus in such a way to people, to groups of people, for a particular moment in such a powerful way that things are changed in the spiritual atmosphere. But in order for that to happen, you have to be able to receive what he's saying. And then this last one's really important to me. Please hear me on this. If what you're saying isn't effective, it's probably not God. I hear people, oh, I have a word for you. I say, I have a fist for you. <laughs> I mean, it just you just, you get tired of all these people who are playing with it like it's some kind of carnival game. I mean, you don't get to get the word of God so you can get a date with somebody, you know? You don't get to get a word from God so that you can be important to a group of people. Can you, can you hear me on this? The Holy Spirit does not put the spotlight on the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit puts the spotlight on Jesus. It's as if you were at nighttime and you looked and there's this beautiful building perfectly lit up. You don't look at the building and go, wow, what a spotlight. You look at the building and say, wow, what a beautiful building. When we are in our right place, they don't look and say, oh, what a prophet you are. No, they say, what a Jesus you have. Yeah. Will you stand with me? I want you to extend your faith with me right now. You see, real faith, real faith, okay? Not fake faith, real faith. Creates nothing. If something is true, faith doesn't make it true. If something is true, your faith can embrace that it's true. Faith cannot make something false true, and it can't make something true false. But here is the true word of God. I love that. The angel said, these are the true words of God. If you are in Christ, you are the bride of Christ. Your whole life, until the day you die, is about inviting other people to that same banquet that you are living for. Everything you're doing is sewing your dress. Sweetness of pure silk or the beauty of embroidery or whatever it might be. <laughs> the bling that you're getting, whatever it might be. 
But it's time that you realize that isn't about your morality. It's not about your philosophy. It is about listening. It is about receiving. And then being able to move effectively in it. So as you extend your faith, this is what Psalm 139 says is true of you. I'd like you to say it with me. You start up there, it says, I am important to God. God knows all. He is constantly aware of all that I do. He is everywhere. God is wherever I go. He has all power. God created me and is intimately knowledgeable of every cell of my being. Now with your hands just outstretched a little bit and your eyes closed. Right now, He may be putting people on your mind that you need to go invite. Or you extend your faith and you say, you're going to speak through me. You're going you're to give me the people to pray for. You're going to intersect your thoughts with my thoughts. I've always loved being a Christian since I was a kid, but everything changed when I began to realize he was intersecting his thoughts with my thoughts. Then he wasn't a concept. He was a person. He has not given you a mute Holy Spirit. He's giving you a communicating Holy Spirit. And that Spirit is always trying to clean up your view of yourself so that you see what He sees. You're important to Him. He knows every cell of your being. Even when you're asleep, He's with you. And when you wake up, He's with you too. But now He wants you. He wants you to get on His mission. Tune your heart to the mission of Jesus. Lord, we see what you're doing now. In Jesus' name, amen.